Hello everyone, welcome to The List. We are back with episode two of hopefully many to come. Um, last week was our first episode and we talked about top ten basketball players of all time. It was a, a really cool episode. We got some good feedback. Um, you know, a lot of positives, so appreciate that. Um, had a friend uh, share it with a media outlet and got some attention. We appreciate that. Uh, Mark for doing that um, we did get an email um, I, I pulled this email before you could see it I, I took it and archived it because I'm interested yeah I wanted you to um, I kind of wanted you to react live to it so it was a, it was about you um, email came from a gentleman named Steve it was his, in his signature Steve says <laughs> this is what he got out of the entire podcast. You couldn't guard Wilt Chamberlain if you were 10 foot tall. You snubbed Tim Duncan. You suck. Oh. There were explicits. Okay. There okay. were a couple of explicits in there. Um, what do you th- <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, okay, there's there's a little bit there. So let me let's just start with the first part. <laughs> I couldn't guard Wilt Chamberlain if I was 10 feet tall. I agree okay. with that. I agree. I, I didn't know what he was talking about, but I went back and listened. Apparently, you said you could, you wouldn't know how to guard Tim or Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain. Chamberlain if you were 7 foot and tall. And I did say that. And But I, I think... And I probably <laughs> could have said that I couldn't guard him if I was you know, 15 feet tall. I don't think it would matter. So <laughs> I agree with Steve yeah. about that. Um, uh, the Tim Duncan thing. I mean, I'm not, he's great. I snubbed him too. He's great. I don't know. It's fine. I, but yeah, I don't, as far as the Tim Duncan thing goes, I mean, he's great, but we both snubbed him. It is what it is. We had another friend say, you know, he's the greatest power forward of all time. I don't, I don't disagree with that. No, I don't at either. all. I, I just, it was hard, and I'll tell you a couple others I, I wrote down that I'd snubbed that were in consideration. Jerry West, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about him. It was, it was pretty far back, and I just felt like out of ten, you got to pick ten players. The Big O, Oscar Robertson. I didn't feel wonderful about snobbing him because I think he innovated the game and was fantastic. But talking 10 players all yeah. time, it was hard. It yeah, really was. Yeah, I mean, what I said the other day, we're trying to pick 10 players, and really there's probably 20 to 30 that have legitimate arguments. So yeah. it is what it is. And I will say, too, for the record, right out of the gate last week, I misspoke. I made a mistake. Pistol Pete's been in, was in the playoffs, hmm. um, so that's on me. He was there three times, but he never made it out of the first round. So gotcha. You know, it is what it is. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, and we talked a little bit about the vision for the podcast, and I know kind of initially we were thinking, you know, movies and pop culture and all kinds of stuff, but our passion really lies with sports and. We we thoroughly enjoy it. A couple of things that we're talking about doing besides top tens and things like that is is kind of like a mini in depth, if you will, like a like a documentary about a moment in sports or a um, a particular person and their career in sports. 
and um, kind of deep dive, try to get stories, you know, about the personal life or, or if it's a moment, kind of think how things built up to that moment. And some fun stuff like that, some in-depths that we're, we're going to be working on as well. Um, so we've got a lot of content ahead, a lot of ideas that we're excited about, but that's kind of the one thing I think we've we've probably officially decided on is really sticking in the in the sports area because there's just so much up for debate in it and it's it's so fun to dive into it and it's it's where our passion lies. Today we're taking a little bit of a side road in the sports world. Probably going to lose a fair number of listeners. <laughs> well, at least it for depend- this episode. It depends on you know, but we want to cover different different areas of sports and even even some areas that maybe we're not the most um it's not our very favorite thing but try to offer some some content for a little bit for everyone who enjoys things but this is one thing though that we it really kind of started our friendship i guess there were a couple of things that we loved and had similar interest in and wwe was one golden girls were the other Golden Girls was one of those things. Uh, we do like the Golden Girls, and we didn't care to say it. We were in high school. We didn't care to do say we, we do we do we do spitballing. Do we do later on top ten of Blanche's boyfriends? We could, or um, Dorothy's snide remarks, uh, mm. Sophia's comebacks. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of good Rose's stuff. dumb stories. Yeah. Old Saint Olaf. And we are we're we're losing listeners as Here we, we speak. go. Here so we go. We so, might as well start it right now. So here's uh what we were thinking for today. WWE or not WWE, just in general greatest wrestlers of all time, top ten. And as we were working towards that, we talked a little bit about this episode. This wasn't easy for us. Of course, again you, you snub so many people, but this is a little bit more objective, I guess you could say, as it is a, a scripted type of um, entertainment. But there's some realism to it as well that we absolutely um, love. And, and, and the 90s, growing up as kids, we both were just all about Monday nights and watching wrestling. So we're going to get into that. Um, I used to throw actual temper tantrum fits if we weren't home on monday night yeah if i got grounded it was from watching wrestling and that was the number one thing mom would would take away from me if i was if i got out of line because she knew it would affect me the most and get the most uh response from me so i i loved growing up watching it and uh i say it's it's not necessarily the same uh, i don't follow it quite as uh, religiously as I used to as a child, but same. Um, very excited to dive into this list. So, you want me to start this time, or you want to start? Or no, we're all about taking turns here. You go for it. Okay. So I'll kick us off with number ten for me, and that's John Cena. Um, that is not the way I saw opening the show with John Cena no. being in my my top ten. But here's the thing. He. It, there's an era there that he was the face and the guy, and it was a very long time, very long period of time that he kind of carried the torch for the WWE. Um, I'll be honest, as a as a fan, I'm not um, a John Cena guy. I, some of his stuff has been been okay over the years, but 
honestly, I've, I've never been a, a John Cena fan, but I do respect the work that he's done in the industry. You talk to anyone of his of his peers in interviews, he's the hardest worker. And beyond that, you know, outside the ring, I do like him. I am a fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's an amazing guy outside of wrestling, and I don't. For this show, I didn't write a lot of stats because yeah, well, I mean, this this you know this industry doesn't really right. lend itself to stats really right. mattering that much. Exactly. The one the one thing I'd say that that's kind of significant is that he's tied all time championships with Ric Flair right now at sixteen, and that that's a lot. That just shows the longevity of your career at a at a high level. Well, not um, only that. But it shows to me not, hey, this guy's good enough. He won 16 world championships. To me, it says, hey, this guy is a dependable worker, a hard worker, so much so that they decided, the company decided to trust him 16 different times yeah. to lead. Right. Yep. And and that's why he's on my list is uh, the longevity of being that, that top guy. I respect that. There are people that I left off this list that I like a lot more personally, right. but I'm trying to look at it from a, a top ten perspective of what I honestly feel, uh, and his body works pretty good. So that's my number ten. Okay. Well, my number ten is going to go back a little bit, um, and you know we talked about championships not really meaning anything, or not you know not meaning so much in this kind of uh, industry. And this kind of speaks to my next guy, a, a guy who did not get a single world title reign in his entire career, hmm. and I really think that was a mistake. Um, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Um, and I really, anybody that's been a fan of wrestling for 30 years or more, I mean, he's one of their guys. Like, he really along with Hulk Hogan is really responsible for it being as big as it is now. Like you yeah. go back to that very first WrestleMania, it was Piper and Hogan. Yep. And I mean, years before or a couple of years before that, after that, it was Piper and Hogan, Piper and Hogan. Yeah. And Piper is one of the few guys that Hogan never beat, like cleanly beat. Um, come to find out in some interviews from Piper, that was, that was really his doing. It's like, you know, what sense does it make? You know, for him to beat me now, and you know, I antagonize him, and we just keep going back and forth. That's the whole point. Right. But um, it's like what I liked about Piper is like if you look up like heat magnet in the dictionary, you're gonna see a picture of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. He knew how to make people hate him, and that was his job, and he did it really well, and he did it really well for a long time. Yeah, he did. And there are some things that I guess are measurable as far as. Um, you know, success and being good on the mic is not something every wrestler can say nope. that they they were. He was, and debatably the best, but definitely one of the best for sure. And his ability to, like you say, get a crowd to come out and to boo him. He was he was a great heel, um, but then he got so popular. There's these guys that, and he's one of them that. Whatever he did, it didn't matter. The crowd loved him, and he 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 gained that legend status for sure. So I'm glad he's he's in there for you. Um, I'll tell you that he's not on my list, and he I, and I get it. Yeah, but I but I'm glad you put him on there because he was the one that I 
I just kept sliding in there and debating it. There's a few others, but he was one of them that I, I had a trouble keeping out of it. And I have to tell this story that I heard about him because it, to me it pretty much personifies his entire attitude yeah. about getting people to hate him. Um, years ago before, and I believe this was pre-WrestleMania, pre-WWE, he worked in a territory in California. Um, I think it was Southern California. And uh, he was uh, feuding, I I think it was with, I think the big guy that he was feuding with there in that territory was like, I think it was Chavo Guerrero Sr. It was a Guerrero, a member of the Guerrero family. And he had made some, some, interesting remarks about race towards him to get heat. I mean, like, that's what he loved to do. And I'm pretty sure it was the, um, it was a uh, promoter there that that pulled him aside after the fact and said, you can't, you can't do that. We're primarily a Hispanic crowd. Like you, you've got to try to smooth some things over. And, and he said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. Next week he goes out there and he he tells the crowd he's going to make it up to him. He's going to play the Spanish or the Mexican national anthem on his bagpipes, and he proceeds to play La Cucaracha, and yeah. the place went absolutely nuts, uh, as you can imagine, riot and everything. And like that's just how he did. Like that's he knew if he could make people hate him, yeah. they would pay to see him get whipped. Yeah. And, he was just the best at it. He me. was very good. Um, Popper's Pit. We could go all yeah. day, but he, he smashing just, the coconut over Snooker's head. <laughs> yeah, he's got some awesome moments. But um, so for me, number nine is Andre the Giant. I couldn't take him off the list. I it, Roddy Popper was actually the guy that I thought about maybe switching some stuff up, but to me, Andre the Giant was at one point not just the biggest literally the but the biggest wrestler um at that time and he really helped build the business mm-hmm. he um seven four five hundred twenty pounds are you kidding me i mean a beast and then what do you do with a guy like that yeah like, what do you... i mean in wrestlemania 3 you know he he was headed you know in his decline and you know, a, a little bit of a kind of a side story I, coming from Hogan talking about he didn't know if Andre was going to do it. He didn't know that, um, for those of you that kind of WrestleMania 3 was Andre and, and Hogan, um, and it was going to be a passing of the torch. Hogan was going to, it's the famous body slam, but they really, they kind of went over it, but. Hogan kept saying, okay, so we're good to, to do that. Does it all look good? And Andre never would fully say, yeah, we're going to do this. Vince was a little nervous. Um, Hogan was a little nervous, but he went out there, um, did it exactly as they'd rehearsed. Uh, you know, Andre called out everything exactly the way it was supposed to go and and passed the torch to Hogan, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, you know, he he had a larger than life personality too. I mean, but you talk about these side stories that are just unbelievably like legend of him. Uh, sat down and drank 127 beers, and that was witnessed by more than more than two people. But Dusty Rhodes and Moolah both swear it happened. They 
swear it happened, and they said that he passed out in the hotel lobby, and no one could move him no, because well, he weighs not... 500 pounds and he's dead weight. What are you gonna do with him? Um, you know the story about these guys mouthing him saying it's all fake in the bar, and he just quietly leaves the bar, and I think they probably felt like, yeah, we totally punked him down. When they walk outside to their car being flipped over, like he, <laughs> he, you know, he was and just an animal and a very cool personality outside of wrestling too. Well, uh, a story that uh, I believe it was Stone Cold uh, relayed on his podcast, and I don't think the story came from him, but it's whoever was on his podcast was talking about when he, whenever Andre would fly, of course he would pay for like two or three seats, and you know, right. Have, but, you know, there's, there's like the overhead compartment for carry-on bags. And he said every time he would get on a plane, he would open up that the carry-on bag, like the hatch or whatever, mm-hmm. and any time that he would see somebody else had put their bags there, he would pick, like he would pull them out, throw them in the floor, put his bag up there and shut it and go, mine. And it's like, just like, that's all he would say is mine. And he would sit down, it's like, Who's going to tell him no? Right. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I, I'm a fan of his. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Watching some, you know, documentaries and stories about him, he was a, he, he was a pretty cool personality. Yeah. But, you know, Vince crying, talking about him. That you know, says a lot. Yeah, I mean, how many people has he interacted with and been in business with? But, you know, him to get emotional when he talks about Andre still today, that's that's kind of speaks volumes for him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so moving on for me, and this guy comes up probably a little bit earlier than people might expect. Number nine, Hulk Hogan. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's really like anybody that knows, even people that aren't fans of wrestling, like they know, oh, that's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, maybe nowadays that's like, oh, that's The Rock. Or, but but back there was a time where if you didn't watch wrestling, you knew who Hulk Hogan was yeah. anyway. It didn't Definitely. matter. Um. Completely, Hulkamania completely changed the whole business at the time. Um, he, you know, he started out, and I don't know how many people know this that followed his career. Started out in the AWA, not the WWE, with Vern Gagne and you know that company, and they really built him up as Hulk Hogan, and then he bolted and went to the WWF, and then you know the rest is history. He, be, yeah. he beats the Iron Sheik for the championship, and then proceeds to hold it for like four years, five years straight. And I mean, made millions and millions of dollars in the process. And I mean, when you talk about longevity, he comes out now. Yeah. And people go crazy. Oh, yeah. And I mean, what was the movie, Mr. Nanny? I mean, Uh, Oscar worthy. (laughs) Um, He should have won. He was snubbed for an Emmy from Thunder in Paradise. Great Um, show. I mean, but seriously, he suburban he commando. I mean, what are you? What more do you want from a man? I mean, Pasta Mania was running wild. If y'all don't remember that, he had his own pasta line with he Chef Boyardee, and he was Thunderlips in yeah, Rocky Three. He was the and, ultimate male. And uh, so, I mean, he he did it all. He did it all in his career. But you're right. I mean, is some of the reason why he's that low for you the politics that we always hear about a little bit a little bit and I'm 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 starting to kind of soften my view on that a a little just hearing Eric Bischoff talk about him and that he really was 
generous, you know, to to a point. Like, yeah. He was very protective of his spot. No, yeah. no question. But I've started to think that you know, to be in that kind of spot, you kind of have to be. Yeah. I mean, you really have to make sure that you're not doing anything that you don't agree with, like. Stone Cold, for instance, real when he heard he was getting beat by Brock Lesnar on Raw, he went. He didn't. He didn't yeah. show up. He yeah. went home. Yep. Um, so I mean, you have to, to a certain extent, be protective of your spot. Yeah, and I mean. So it's hard to fault him too much for that. I mean, really, too though. I mean, he was pretty good at what worked. You know, creatively, he. He brought in some guys in WCW that he had connections, and he helped bring them in and build something pretty awesome. And so, you know, i not trying to vouch for his, you know, everything he did, but he did have some pretty good knowledge. Yeah, really? Going. Yeah, and I mean, really, he, I mean, you look at it, he really revolutionized the business twice. He did. Hulkamania. And then that started to get stale, and then all of a sudden, here comes the NWO. Yeah. And, I mean, that's still... they. The NWO hasn't been a thing for 16, 17 years, and they're still selling shirts like yeah. nobody's business. Yeah, and wasn't in a in a real hot state for 20 years. For, you know, like it, it's just like incredible what he was able to to do. For me, number eight, this was this was not easy to again, but um, Sting made my list at number eight. And I know a lot of, if you watch WCW, you're sitting there saying, yeah, he should be on the list. But, um, you know, what he was, he was the face of the company for quite a while, had a long run. When WCW was evolving, he evolved his character, um, you know, went with that crow look and totally re-imaged his brand and became even more popular. That was that was the height of his popularity, right? And so you know, for him to be able to, I think when a guy can see what's happening, reinvent his character, and relaunch into to popularity like that, it speaks a lot for the 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 guy behind all of that. You know, being able to creatively see what he needs to do. Um, but in ring, he was a a, a great performer. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think he got white hot at a time when. When they really needed it, someone right, to, to yeah. be outside of the NWO and be popular, and he did that for them. Kind of a not really a side story, but an interesting fact, and you may know this, but there might be a lot of people that are listening that don't know it. Um, that Crow character was actually the brainchild of Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah, Scott of Hall. Of all people, although a raging alcoholic. At the, time, creative. at the time, yeah. he's good now. But yeah, yeah, he's he, doing good now. But at the time, um, he uh, he had that idea. And you know, uh, another little known fact for some some of you maybe is that Sting was going to be the third man, which the third man being um, Hulk Hogan to come out and, and intervene and join the NWO with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. That was actually going to be Sting. That was the backup the backup plan because. If you think about it, it was smart to have a backup plan because Hulk Hogan had never turned heel. That was not something that was even discussed for 
how many years? I mean, so probably a decade. At yeah. Least. So um, they had a another plan, and and it would have totally changed things. Yeah. Uh, for both of their careers, I'd say. I don't think it would have worked as well. I don't either. Uh, Hogan became. I mean, that Hollywood Hogan ha- character became exactly what it was supposed to be. Well, and I think that Hogan being the big bad hero, going against the NW, like they tried. He went went against the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> the giant. But like he, he is him as a as a face as a baby face was just getting way too stale. So yeah. like that needed to happen. It was great. Um, who do you have at number eight? Number eight, I'm going. I'm reaching back even further. Um, Bruno San Martino. Yeah. Some people, a lot of people our age probably won't have a clue who he is. Yeah. But guys, 40, 50 years old, they're gonna know. Uh, if they were big fans of the WWE back then, yeah. they're going to know who he is. And he, this guy was just a monster of a man. Like, And he got so popular in, in the New York area. He was, he was uh, I believe, Italian. Yeah. Had some Italian descent, and that there was a big Italian population in that area of the country. And they just latched on to him. Like, he was their guy. And... You know, again, we don't look at championships so much or number of championship reigns so much as like an indicator. This guy, in his career, held a world championship for a total of 4,040 days. Wow. Total as a world champion, 4,040 days. And I did the math. That was a little bit more than 11 years. <laughs> a lot of guys don't have careers that long. This guy was a world champion for that long. Yeah. Um, which speaks to, like, how much trust they had in him to carry the company. Yeah. For that long? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, That's incredible. He, You know, I don't know the most about him. He was on my list of people to consider, for sure. So I... Some people consider him still today to be the greatest of all time. If you grew up in that that time period, you would consider him to be, you know, the greatest of all time or on that list. So it's cool you put him on there for sure. Um, for me, number seven is he. He's one of those guys like Hulk Hogan. He doesn't really need um, any kind of introduction, and that's Macho Man. Um, Macho Man was. <laughs> he he's underrated in some some areas. I think one of the areas that people do, if you've never watched a Macho Man promo, just YouTube it and enjoy yourself because he was he in my opinion the best at just totally winging it. That's and that's probably the best way to put it is just YouTube it and enjoy yourself because it, you will. Yeah, you will. And I mean, he really did. You can tell he's just winging it live sometimes. But he was so good at it. He'd just get in the flow, and uh, he'd just go for it. Um, he was he was great in ring. I mean, the the steamboat match in WrestleMania three, some people consider to be one of the best matches of all time. And if you haven't watched it, you should check that out too. Um, but his promos and, and his in-ring skills are cool. But he was a very paranoid man. Yes, um, yes, he was. A side story about Macho Man is. Canyon apparently um, apparently said that he was washed up. Um, Macho Man at the time was negotiating a $1 million deal with Slim Jim. So it comes out that Canyon says this. 
Randy is afraid that that's going to alter the plans a little bit for him. And that's a lot of money for a wrestler. Yep, that's a um, lot of money for anybody. Yeah, and, and so he basically threatens to kill him, from my understanding. <laughs> and uh, DDP says, he goes to Canyon and he says, Hey, you need to apologize because Randy is personally looking for you and he's going to try to kill you. And so that kind of explains uh, what happened. So Canyon writes a written apology. Make sure it gets to Randy. Randy gets the deal anyways and just says, well, if I wouldn't have got it, he would have got a $1 million yeah. kicking. So yeah. um, that's hilarious to me. I, there's so many stories about Macho Man, but he personally one of my all-time favorites. I I love him. He's one of my favorites, too. I he did not make my list, and he was. It killed me. It killed me not to put him there. Yeah. But he, um, yeah. I mean, there just the stories that could be told. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, he, he's awesome. Didn't you hear that he was wearing a St. Louis Cardinals jersey? Yes. Or? I, and I don't really know if this is substantiated, but in my mind, it is. Yeah. So we're gonna go with that because it's hilarious. You know, before he got into wrestling, he played minor league baseball in the, the I believe, in the system for the St. Louis Cardinals. I uh, don't know if he ever got called up. I'm not sure, but I do know he was in it, and he's a big St. He was a big Cardinal fan, and um, I, there the story is that somebody had seen him walking down the the uh, sidewalk in St. Louis wearing his Macho Man get-up, but it had Cardinals on it, like St. Louis colors and everything. So that was really Randy. That yeah. was Randy Savage. Well, and I mean, he went in and uh, he was asked to interview or, or be a, you know go to a casting call for the Spider-Man movie, and he just goes in there in his Macho Man get-up and promos on the directors and people sitting there saying, you know, he's going to fight them and what are you looking at? And just, they loved it so much, they're like, he has to be our guy. He's just, he was that guy. And yeah. I love that. Who do you got at number seven? At number seven, um, the guy we've already talked about, I've got John Cena. Yeah. Um, you know, I had him a little bit higher than you, and I think just... You know, we both kind of agree on the fact that we're not really fans of his character, like the the way they portray him, and that's really not his fault. Like, you know, they have decided he was at one time he was the face of the company, and I get it, and so he was kind of shoved down everybody's throat. But so was Hogan, so was Austin. Mm-hmm. I will say, for you know, at least for the longest time, nobody got tired of Hogan, and no people are still not tired of Austin. So, yeah, that's true. Um, but they just got tired of Cena, and it's really not any fault of his. Um, yeah. But, you know, to know how hard he works, like, you know, there's a lot of stories, like you said, um, like, you know, he's the first one to show up to work in the morning, he's the last one to leave. Yeah. And, you know, that, and he does all this Make-A-Wish stuff, you know, for the kids, and you know, he cares. Like, you can yeah. just tell that he cares about helping. Yeah. He cares about... You know, and people will say, oh, he doesn't help any wrestlers coming up. Kevin Owens, yep, guy who was still in developmental at the time, he says, no, I'll lose clean to him. He didn't have to do that. Right. And it's like, you know, it, it, you don't find a ton of examples like that, but he's willing to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, Undertaker's not a, not a becomer, but 
to just to go out and, and get, get beat. The, yeah, I mean, it was a squash match, and for a guy of his stature to go out and do that, that that's pretty cool. I mean, that's one thing you never saw Austin lose a squash match, and right. you never saw Hogan lose a squash match. Yeah. So, I mean, so he'll do it. And, and you know, what you said about Make-A-Wish, at one point, and it probably still is, the most made wishes for anyone, he yeah. makes it happen. He he and puts so, them on his schedule, and he, he makes sure to get out there right. and, and so, meet kids. While I'm not crazy about the character and how much he's pushed, you know, was pushed on everybody, got nothing but respect for him personally. Yep, same here. Um, for me, number six is The Undertaker. Um, I moved him around a lot on my list. I, I just kept moving him around. He landed at six. His longevity alone is at in a character. I mean, he had a little bit of a different run for just a little while, but it was still in that similar space. But as the Undertaker, um, just an incredible. You couldn't you couldn't have matched a character, a gimmick character, with a guy to be able to go out and take it seriously. I mean, he even outside of it, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't do. He has taken that that character and made it so huge and and somewhat believable that he is yep. this guy and when the gong hits People, you get it we were at a wrestlemania yep. in atlanta and we felt it you know when the gong hits and you just you know he's about to come out and that slow walk that 36 minute walk to the ring there's nothing like it <laughs> yeah it, i mean <laughs> we make fun of the fact that it takes him forever to get to the ring but yeah. like really when you experience it you understand why yeah. like he it's just the feeling yep he's he's incredible and in ring for a big man amazing <laughs> i mean really some of the stuff he he's i mean walking the ropes and just his ability to dive over the top and and he's great well, i mean you've got a guy like kurt angle that has referred to him as a world-class athlete so yeah. you've got an Olympic gold medalist saying this guy is every bit the athlete that I am. Yeah. And for a guy that's 6'10", that's saying a lot. It is. And, you know, his ability to um, to make you f- feel something. You know it's you know it's not real. Right. And you know his gimmick's not real. And you know the setting's not real. But it feels real yeah. with The Undertaker sometimes because he is so incredible at making it all work and I love that well he kind of he kind of reminds me of something that Roddy Piper said and this is actually something he got from a guy named uh, uh, Johnny Valentine old school wrestler mm-hmm. and he said this to Piper one time and this made me think and Undertaker is a really good example of this he based his entire career on the idea that I might not be able to make you think that wrestling is real, but I can make you think I am. I'm for real. Yeah. And I really that make Undertaker like perfectly fits that. He does. Yeah. And the best gimmick type character that there ever is, and there'll never be anything like no, him. No. And the fact that on top of that, they thought when they hired him, they were bringing him in to play that character for maybe six months. <laughs> yeah. They thought, oh, this is a perfect gimmick we'll make him maybe six months to a year we'll make him into a really big opponent for Hogan Hogan will beat him that'll be the end of it yeah and he made it work so they they intended to bring him in for about a year to feud with Hogan here we are almost 30 years later yeah you know during the Monday Night War I tuned in as a child watching Hogan 
Well, NWO hadn't formed yet or anything like that, but I flip over and I see what's going on on WWE, and The Undertaker's putting someone in a body bag, and Paul Bear's standing there all creepy, like he was good at doing it. Yeah, exactly. And and um, I thought, what in the world is happening here? But I was intrigued, you know, and that was, that's the first memory I have of turning over to WWE and being like, huh. And it got me to tune over there again later, um, which I'll talk about, you know, as we move forward. But, yeah, number six it definitely belongs in, in the top ten. He's just a, an incredible talent, something we'll never see again. No. Um, and speaking of something we'll never see again, my number six, we've already talked about him, Andre the Giant. Yeah. Um, one of the best, as far as pure giants go he is the best that has ever lived absolutely um and, and we really i mean we covered pretty much all there is to cover about it i mean legendary career yeah undefeated for years and years and i mean the guy that size like if he didn't want to lose he wasn't gonna lose <laughs> right and that's like he goes back to you talking about how nervous hogan was leading up to the wrestlemania three match if he had changed his mind he was walking out the champion. Yeah, what night. are you going to do with it? It didn't matter. And, you know, like you said, the, Hogan talked to him several times leading up to that and never really got much of a assurance out of him. And and I had actually I've just, had just watched or listened to an interview with Hogan uh, about this the other day. Leading up to that, he would go to him and said, okay, Andre, what are we, you know, he had written down everything he wanted to do in the match they events had given it to Andre and he never heard anything back from him so he would go and, and every, he said every time that I would go talk to him Andre would just be like don't worry I got or I'll take care of you or whatever and he's like I never really knew what that meant right and then he What's calls he it out do? step by yeah, step and then yeah he said then we go to the ring that night and he called he had memorized every single thing that I wanted to do and he called all of it out yeah and it couldn't have gone better pretty awesome yeah good match too so, going into the top five, my number five is The Rock. I don't really have to say a whole lot about this guy. That There's a ton you could say. But um, he was a great heel. A lot of people, if you're not a huge wrestling fan, go back and watch his time with Nation of Domination and see what a great heel he was. Um, you know, he turned heel a couple times, you know, with the corporation and all that. But his ability to insult people uh whether he was a, a baby face a good guy or a or a heel was incredible in my opinion he's the best on the mic that there ever was just because of the fact that he got the crowd going like nobody's business um i think popper was better as a heel but yeah. as a as a come out and entertain standpoint the rock was no brainer just incredible the, the best he uh, my favorite I'll let you tell yours too you probably have well one. it's kind of convenient because my number five is also the rock Okay, so well we good. can just kind of attack this together yeah sounds good so my favorite um, promo that he ever did was later on in, in his career was Vicky Guerrero <laughs> when he he calls her out in uh, Monday Night Raw in Houston he just calls her out and uh, starts singing Eric Clapton, You Look Wonderful Tonight, but he changes the words. And uh, if you haven't seen it, 
you need to go watch it because it's it holds up today. It's hilarious and it's um. Even and yeah, if you, even if you're not a wrestling fan, I truly hope that you'll appreciate the the comedy and really anything that he did. Yeah, and his in ring ability was very good. I mean, he had the he had the moves, you know, the gimmick moves with the people's elbow. The rock bottom was awesome, but his um, you know, just his his appearance and persona, the way he did things with the eyebrow and he, the Brahma bull, it just he was a an amazing talent and went on to be i mean larger than life as far as the the movie industry goes became for a year or two at least the highest paid actor in hollywood yeah and you know he he's one of those guys that i think you could have a conversation with and just thoroughly enjoy it he's a motivator you know he takes he's very disciplined in the way he takes care of himself but he's um he just seems like he he does genuinely care about maybe making a difference too, um, but in ring talent he was incredible. Well, and there aren't that there are not that many guys that you can honestly say he is <clears throat> just as good as a, as a heel as he is a face. Yep. He was. Yeah. Just because and and even as a heel against guys like Austin. Yeah. Just, you know the big <clears throat> the big baby face is like. People still cheered for him because he was just so creative, yeah, and entertaining and clever. And it's just like you couldn't. He was basically even as a bad guy, he was too cool to hate. Yeah, and you know when when Stone Cold had to go out with an injury, The Rock picked it up yep. and carried it and became very very popular. I I'm mean, talking... and, and it's arguable that he got bigger than Austin. Yeah, at one point he he. It's it is debatable that he did. I mean that's you know for some people making a list like this that might be Austin Rock might be one two yeah like right and, neck and neck and you know their rivalry as they were both getting hot coming up with the Intercontinental Championship was an amazing time in wrestling because yep. that was when the card was stacked. Yeah, I'm talking stacked. Well, I mean when you have guys like Austin and Rock feuding over the Intercontinental the secondary championship, right? Uh, that tells you all you need to know about how stacked the roster was. The stage was being set yeah, at that for, time. The Nation yeah. of Domination, DX was forming. Um, Stone Cold was starting to get very popular. Um, and then on the other side, you've got, you know, the NWO is taking place, and, and it's about to get at its you highest can, moment. If you were sitting back and watching everything, you could say, this is about to blow up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was your number five yeah. as well. So I'll go to four. Um, this is where things got really tough for me. Really tough. But number four for me was Hulk Hogan. I can see it. I can understand it. Yeah, he, um, Conrad Thompson, fellow podcaster, has a pretty successful business in in the podcast industry. But he said it best to me. To him, he was the best heel and the best babyface. Yep. And I get that. Early in his career, Hulkamania was the largest thing going. He put wrestling on the map, really, from a popular standpoint. Now, he had help, and he had the stage to do it, but he led the charge. And then for him to come out and leg drop Macho Man and betray everybody and become a part of the NWO is one of the biggest moments, if not 
the biggest yeah. moment in wrestling, and so it's no doubt about it. It's the biggest moment in WCW's history. Absolutely, and so for him to be at the center stage of a lot of gigantic things yeah. in wrestling, I had to put him put him there. Um, he he was um, the thing about him too is not only was his name wrestling at one point in time, but his ability to um, He's another one where you he he comes out today and the crowd still gets that nostalgia pop, you know, right. that that he's he'll always have. Um, I think Bischoff, I think it was Eric Bischoff, put it best when he said that he thinks Hogan could be 90 years old and they could wheel him out in a wheelchair and the place would go nuts. Right, yeah, and I really I believe that for sure. So who do you have at? Uh, Number four. Number four, I've got Stone Cold Steve Austin. Wow. Um, he ended up a little bit lower. You know, I, I really thought he'd be closer to the top. But when I started to look at it, I just, he ended up a little bit lower than I thought. Um, but, you know, number four is great. But, you know, when you look at his career, really it did not start off strong. Like, it, mm-hmm. it didn't start off fast. You know, he was in WCW. And they didn't really know what to do with him. He was stunning Steve. And, I mean, he had... The Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood Blondes with Brian Pillman. And, you know, they had a little bit of a feud with Flair and Arn Anderson, which was a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then they, they split them up, and they didn't really know what to do with him. I mean, they gave him a, a TV title and a United States title push. Um, but he got injured, and they just... I don't think they ever really knew fully what they had. Yeah. And, you know, he they let him go. He went to ECW, cut some promos. I think he had a match or two. And um, you could kind of see the Stone Cold character starting to show up a little bit. But then he goes to WWF, and they stick a gimmick on him, call him the Ringmaster, which he absolutely hated. <laughs> right. Um, and then and they did stick him with DiBiase, who was a, who was a legend. But he never needed a mouthpiece. He didn't need somebody to talk for him, and that's what he had to convince them of. And then eventually, you know, he showed them, and then the rest is history. He, yeah. Austin 316 takes off, and he's just the hottest thing since Hogan. Yeah. And probably surpassed Hogan, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. For me, uh, number three is HBK, Shawn Michaels. Um you know, I was talking about when I flipped over to WWE for the first time and it was Undertaker putting somebody in a body bag. What made, I flipped back over there again to see what was going on and it was Shawn Michaels. And he was coming out. He had the shiny little pants, the little chaps on. And he just was so flamboyant and cocky. And then I saw, I saw him finish someone off with sweet chin music and i loved him i just i don't know what it was i just loved him i didn't know at the time as a kid that he was debatably the best in-ring performer that there is right um but he he had that appeal in the 90s if you go watch some of his matches he was he was magic every night every night Go look anything up and watch it, and it'll be a great match because that's the kind of ability he had. Um, and then you know he could do it all. He could he could talk on the mic. He could he had the ability to be funny <laughs> with DX. That was a, an amazing run, and he was also at a pivotal point 
in WWE history with the Mike Tyson Steve yeah. Austin feud because that he was on the other side of that and he helped make it as large as it was in his being that heel and being so good at being a heel. There again, he's another guy. He'll always get that pop when the music starts. Yeah. He'll always be forever a legend. And you, you think about, and this isn't taking anything away from Shawn Michaels at all, but you think about that WrestleMania 14 main event, how big of a deal that was with Mike Tyson there. You're talking about Shawn Michaels, like you said, probably the greatest in-ring performer of all time. And he's really the third wheel in that in that whole thing. Yeah. Because ever the focus is like so much on Tyson and Austin. Yeah. Um, like I said, not taking anything away from him, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Definitely. That you've got somebody the caliber of Shawn Michaels, and he's not even really the focal point of the whole thing. But yeah. he definitely care, helped make it as big as it was. Yeah. Another huge moment in wrestling: the Montreal Screwjob. Oh, yep. Um. Wherever you stand on that, we actually have uh, possibly not. We might stand with the minority on this that Brett kind of deserved it. Yeah, I, I in think our so. opinion. I mean, who cares if you're in Canada? I don't care. If yeah. You, if you're leaving the company, you drop the belt, and then they say, "Well, I'm not gonna do it." In Can-. You're leaving. You're leaving, and it's a pay-per-view. My opinion is, um, he. There's periods in time where Brett acted like a brat, and he's yep. not on my list. The politics Me, yep. and the the bratty behavior by him, I just am not a fan. But I will say, if we were making a top 15, you can't deny that Brett Hart was one of the best in ring performers either, and he had a run that that would debatably put him in there. Yeah, but, all that aside, yeah, I mean he did, but but it, it was a great rivalry, Brett Hart and and Michaels, and as much as there is. Bad blood there. They had amazing matches. Yes, they did. So um, two guys that probably shouldn't have had great chemistry together, but they did. They did. I mean, it was off the charts for sure. Who you got at number three? Number three again, somebody we've already talked about, um, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of briefly go through is mainly the longevity. Yeah. What he was able to do with that character that that they didn't think would last very long, and he just comes in and kills it like pun intended right but no it's just like any time that he started to get a little bit stale with the character he changed something yeah he changed his look he tweaked his personality a little bit he talked he just subtle changes that he made over like i said almost 30 years i think now we're going on 28 years yeah that he just slowly just like building just taking a piece, adding it here, doing this, making a subtle change. And so he morphed into this this mute guy that rarely talked, didn't never showed pain, never, you know, didn't sell, had squash matches basically every night to a guy that could, now he can put on a show and put on great matches with just about anybody. Yeah. Uh well I mean up until he start aging started to catch up with him, but you know, as while he was still wrestling full time, he could have a great match with just about anybody. Yeah, I agree. And there were some people that caused me a lot of trouble then when I was a kid. We had one TV. I'm trying to watch wrestling at like 10 years old during the Attitude Era. My mom being very religious and very protective over what I watched and what I did. Yep. The Undertaker caused me some trouble a little later on with his. 
I'm going to crucify you, basically, yeah. um, act. Um, Mom very, found that very sacrilegious. Very, <laughs> very religiously disturbing. <laughs> and I, um, I was like, Mom, it's just, you know, and she'd be like, I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to watch this. And I was scared, and I was really glad to see him get out of that because I remember yeah. the, one of the shows ended with Stone Cold up there on Hanging that, on that symbol thing. Yeah. And, and uh, Very reminiscent of the cross right, and crossing right. some lines yeah mom was for a lot of people not a fan of it and i remember thinking man undertaker just go back to what you were doing please get out of this um, but uh he's he's an amazing talent for sure I, I one of my faves so here we go number two mm-hmm. number two for me is rick flair wow yeah wow yep he's number two okay he absolutely helped revolutionize the sport when it wasn't a when it wasn't at its peak popularity. He he has nothing to. I mean that's not his fault. But you know Bischoff talking about him when he came into WCW. If you wanted to draw a crowd or you needed you needed something, um, Ric Flair was the guy. You know they they bring him in and kind of. With the whole Hogan aspect, and that would be an incredible match, and it was a it was a fun story for sure. Ric Flair, <laughs> people idolize him today. I mean, the the hip hop world, yeah. the sports. You say, you know, I I was watching a documentary the other day. It wasn't anything about Ric Flair, but the coach is like. Three claps and a Ric Flair. Clap, clap, clap. Woo! You know, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's every almost everywhere you go. I mean, sporting he, event wise, like he is uh, a legend that will forever be remembered as as one of the greats. His in ring ability too, not just his longevity, but he was one of the very best in ring performers that there was. And then his persona outside of it was incredible. <laughs> I mean. He said he literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> yeah. creating that image for himself. Yeah, like he, he lived it. He was Ric Flair. Yeah, he absolutely was. He he was not Richard. You know, there no there. You know, he's quoted in one of his promos that he has spent more money on spilt liquor than most people make in a lifetime. He really means it. Yeah, you know, a story Jim Ross said that they went to the <laughs> they went to the hotel lobby after a show and Ric Flair says, I'm buying and Jim's like, Okay. He said that they brought over sixty kamikazes. It was him, Jim Ross, and like four other people in the bar and he's like, Rick, what are we doing? He's like, We're partying. He's like, it's a Monday night. You know, he said that it was just, he was like that all the time. You know, he had a, he did, he doesn't know how to be, it's sad because he honestly doesn't know how to be anything different. He really, right. he's tried to walk away so many times and he's had trouble doing it because I don't know that there's anyone on this planet that loved being a wrestler, you know, being, being wrestling Being at the center of everything. Yeah. Like he was. He was um, absolutely one of the best in ring and outside of it. And if you don't know who Ric Flair is, then I mean you don't know anything about wrestling. I mean he, 
go through all the the years that he wrestled and you'll find some incredible stuff he really will yep cool all right. Well, I, I feel like I'm just kind of catching up with you a little bit because I keep bringing up guys you've already talked about. Um, my number two is Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Um, somebody that idolized Ric Flair, and that you know that that tells you to me all you need to know about Ric Flair. You've got a guy that's arguably like you can make a very solid case the greatest of all time. Yep. And he says, this guy's the greatest of all time. Yeah. But you know, Shawn Michaels did things in the ring, and his in I'd say in his prime, but really up until, you know, 2009, 2010 when he retired. Yeah. He just did things in the ring that looked so smooth and just like, a guy shouldn't be able to do that. No, he had an ability and, to just flow with anybody. And 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 make, make anything entertaining. Just edge of your seat. Like, you know, I, it, it was really hard for me to, like, stay glued on a match the entire time right not with his matches same he was the first wrestler that i thoroughly enjoyed watching i mean he he's an incredible talent at at being able to engage the audience and keep them the whole i mean the iron man match who wants to watch 60 minutes of someone especially in today's world yeah but him and Bret Hart put on a show. For, and there, I mean, it went in sudden death more than 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So a match that lasts literally longer than an hour, and everybody stayed on the edge of their seats the entire time. That's that's how good they were together. That says something. I, absolutely. Um, well, number one. It's I know where you're going. Pretty obvious, yep. yeah. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I don't even know where to start start with this guy I mean you've talked about him I know but the reason why he's number one to to me is at a time when wrestling was absolutely at its peak there was no one hotter and I don't think there'll ever be anyone get that hot again right his and to innovate the way that he did he innovated by stunning the boss what is that no one had ever seen anything (laughs) Like that. He innovated by driving a a beer truck into the (laughs) ring and... And a Zamboni. And a Zamboni and crushing Vince's car with... A limousine with a monster truck. The cement truck with the the Corvette. Corvette. I mean, he... he, Every Monday, you You, you had to tune over there. Regardless of you a WCW fan, at the time, you had to be like, what's he doing? What is Stone Cold going to do this And that was one man doing that and he he put wwe in my opinion where they are today now he had a ton of help he had a ton of support supporting cast but he led the charge in a time when they absolutely needed it the most and through another thing i'm thinking about that he did not as extreme as some of the stuff but just Throwing the Intercontinental title off the bridge. <laughs> right, like going just, and, going and visiting Vince in the hospital and busting him over the head with the bed. Bad Pan McMahon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was always doing something that was entertaining. The funny thing about that too is he said if you if uh, like you get the raw footage of that, not what they you know dress it up for TV. Yeah. He said if you listen while while the nurse is talking to him, you can hear him over there to pat 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 on the bedpan. So I'm trying to find the sweet spot, and he said, there's not a sweet spot on a bedpan, go figure. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to find the best place to hit him with it to make the most noise and hurt the least. Right. And so he said, yeah, you hear 
the nurse talking to Vince McMahon and you hear him thumping on this bedpan and they just they edited it out but he said it was hilarious to watch me over there waylaying a bedpan trying to find right. out where the best place is. He um when the glass breaks oh, today we've been there. Yep. Today if if you've had a if you set up a little venue and the glass broke the crowd would lose their minds mm-hmm. and in the the late 90s mid to late 90s when the glass broke half the crowd would almost pee themselves and forget who they are because they're that excited and jacked wearing stone cold shirts losing their minds and he had he had a larger than life persona like you said got hotter than hogan hulkamania any of that he was um that's why in my opinion he's number one because let him talk let him do think of a creative promo or let him go in ring which in ring i will admit there there are better he but he was well that was really good. and really that was after he broke his neck i mean exactly. that really limited him physically it did he, he had um i mean goodness he he wrestled for months on a, on a broken bro- neck. broken neck because he was too hot to stop he was like well i'm i'm gonna ride this train yeah. and that i think that speaks for the people that are at the top you've got for us, HBK, Flair, Stone Cold, all of, all of them have done things. HBK wrestling with the back problems that he had for years. Ric Flair not even knowing if he's going to be able to to make a match happen and then comes out there and makes gold. The passion and the energy they have towards their craft helped rise them up to the top. So... Well, and I mean, if you're keeping up with who I've who have listed so far, number one should be pretty easy. Yeah. Um, number one for me is Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, just for the things he did in the time that the period that he did it in, I mean, it's just amazing to yeah. think about. I mean, first of all, 16-time world champion, but unlike you know, not like John Cena, he he didn't have all his world title runs in one you know in one i mean really it was all technically the same organization but it was really he had world title runs in, in a couple of different eras yeah like you know started in the nwa and jim crockett promotions when it was just a little territorial stuff and to be the traveling world champion going to all these different places to their little promotions within the nwa and he would have to go what to me what makes him really the greatest is that he would have to go to all these little promotions and no matter who they had lined up to face him for the title he had to go out there and make them look like they belong in the same ring with him yeah. for sometimes for an hour yeah and that's not easy no and, and you know he his ability to to come out and put on a good match like you said with anybody six to seven, and sometimes six seven days a week yeah without he, a time without a day off he, he is incredible. You know, something, too, two of the greatest stables uh, of all, well, the greatest stable the in the horsemen. Four Horsemen, and then, um, you know, later years with Evolution, and he he was able to um, build up guys, put guys mm-hmm. over. He Everyone says, you know, he was, to be as Ric Flair-ish as he really was, and, and everyone says he, he you know, great to wrestle with. When you got in the ring, it was nothing but pure professionalism. And very, when it came to putting people over and building them, very unselfish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to me, it really, it, it really speaks volumes when you have 
a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin and a guy like Shawn Michaels both saying that in their mind he is the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um, what more needs to be said about it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the travel, the and the fact that he partied as hard as he did for yeah. as long as he did yeah. and still could go out there and kill it every single night. Yeah. There's a, in his documentary in the 30 for 30, him talking about the, they had to see a, a therapist as part of the the career like options or whatever and he had to go and they said he said how many times do you drink per week and he's like every day and he's like well how many how many do you have he's like probably like eight to ten beers and probably probably six to eight mixed drinks he said every day he said yeah he's like how long have you been doing that? He's like, by 26 years. <laughs> nah, I think he said, I think he said, like, since I was 21, yeah, yeah, I mean, years old. It's unbelievable, like, and he said they almost had to switch spots, like, and he'll help. Like, you shouldn't even be alive, you like, know? Like, literally, he should not have a liver left. No. But no, he's he, still... He's he's the man. So that's uh that's the, the list for us. Um, a couple snubs... I mentioned Bret Hart. Bret Hart. I, 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 yeah. he, he, all the political stuff aside, whether we agree or disagree with some of the decisions he made, definitely one of the greatest in yeah. the ring of all time. I'm but, glad you put Roddy Piper in yours. Mick Foley, another one. Easily could have been I, there. I wanted to put him... I mean, you talk about an innovator and a, a guy that put his life on the line, literally, for the for the business. And... um. Some of the moments that he's a part of, no one really dares do. Yeah, that. I mean, getting of, thrown off the cell. Yeah. Getting thumbtacks, just man. Yeah. The 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 stuff he put his body through to uh, really to live out a dream, because that's yeah. You know, he that's what he wanted to do from the time he was a kid, and I mean, it basically took him putting his body through that to get it. And he he was a. He was, I mean, talk about characters. It's, it almost, I mean, it was like a fun thing. Like, you didn't know what he was going to be. Is he going to be dude love? Right. Mankind he, or Cactus Jack? This right. Week? I mean, he, he he was very creative. And, yeah. um, and really brought each of those characters to life, like, better than anybody could have. Yeah. Like, you couldn't have stuck anybody else in any of those characters, yep. and they would, wouldn't have made it work. I thought he was great as Mankind. Yep. He was such a great, very, um, just to undertakers you know that uh-huh. that dark type of thing they had going he played a very as man kind of very hannibal lecter ish very character. disturbed pulling his hair out he, he looked terrible yeah Le- leather mask but yeah which you know, was vince's doing was he, it? he said he would not at first he said he because of his appearance like he would not bring him in without covering his face yeah like Mick Foley has said that, like he impersonated McMahon and said, "All right, I'll bring him in." Yeah, but I'm covering his face. Like that's <laughs> yeah. exactly how it went. Well, I mean, he wasn't the most charming-looking gentleman. I mean, he's been through some yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, Dusty Rhodes is another one I yeah, snubbed that I had I, trouble with. Do you have any besides those? I hated snubbing Sting and Savage, which I'm glad you put them in. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race. Um, some old school guys, but 
you know, they were right. They, I mean, they rode right alongside with Flair, like yeah. back in those days, building to, to what it is now. And up until he died, I mean, Dusty Rhodes worked in developmental for WWE, yeah. teaching the those guys promos and great and creative too. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, he had his moments. I think the Shockmaster thing was his. that was not that was, good. That was his. That was one of his uh, babies. Yeah. Uh, but, but if they'd have executed I think it, was, it right. It could have been the greatest thing you'd ever see. No? No. Okay. No. So that's our show. That's our, our list. Uh, we're excited about um, you know the content we have up ahead. We've got some really, really cool plans that we're, we're looking to, to build. Um, some, some good ideas for, for future shows. But um, wanted to segue a little bit off. The, this was something we talked about doing, and we wanted to just get it out there. For those that are interested in wrestling, there's not a lot of content. I mean, there's not there's more now than ever probably, but um, there's nothing really like this. So you can kind of check that out. Um, but do not forget um, to contact us if you have any feedback, any suggestions for feature, future shows. Um, we're on Twitter at list underscore podcast. Email us at feedback podcast at gmail feedback dot the list podcast at gmail and look us up on facebook the list podcast check us out hit us up um, if you have any feedback or suggestions for us we'd love to hear it as we get started and build this thing we we definitely want um, audience participation so thank you so much for for tuning in until next time i'm jordan that's kramer over here you can't they can't see where you're pointing i'm pointing at him but i'm here yeah right there he is yep